0: This is Conversations on Character, a podcast brought to you by the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtues at the University of Birmingham. Your host is Dr. Tom Harrison, and this week he interviews Gary Lewis, head teacher and chairperson of the Association for Character Education. Hello and welcome again to this second episode of the Conversations on Character podcast. I really hope you enjoyed listening to the Damien Hines edition and we've had some really nice feedback from you. I think you really appreciated finding out about the emphasis that Damien put on character and character education during his time as Secretary of State and also who he chose uh, as exemplars of service and courage. I'm delighted that this week's guest is Gary Lewis. Gary Lewis was the head teacher of Kings Langley School and during his time at that school I witnessed him transform it through an unrelenting focus on character and character education. I've particularly known Gary and worked alongside Gary in his role as Chair of the Association for Character Education. And in that role, I know he's advised several ministers about how to make character education more explicit within the curriculum. I really enjoyed recording this podcast because I've known Gary, as I've said, as a colleague for many years, but also as a friend. And it was a real opportunity to dig deep into Gary's journey of character education. You'll hear in this episode uh, how Gary says that leaders have such an important role if you want to develop a school of character. He'll talk about getting a critical mass of teachers on board. He talks about the values of mistakes and the value of forgiveness and how important they are. And you'll also find out who Gary thinks is an exemplar of wisdom. I hope you enjoy listening to this second episode of the Conversation on Character podcast brought to you by the Jubilee Centre. Gary, thank you so much for joining us as one of our first uh, ever guests on this new Conversations on Character podcast. It's a real uh, pleasure to have you with us today.
1: And Tom, you'll understand I'm absolutely delighted to be with you. Looking forward to the conversation very much.
0: Oh, you're always a charmer, aren't you, Gary? Showing good character all the time. And, and, but I do mean that seriously, because I know you've been extremely busy uh, recently getting involved uh, as term has started doing character trainings in schools. Tell us a bit about what you've been up to.
1: Well, I think, Tom, I mean, um, the character training is, is really... It's trying to create a 360-degree package. Uh, the Jubilee Centre presents a lot of online training, outstanding resources... And lots and lots of teachers have signed up for that. But of course, what they want to then do, having, as it were, been through a a very carefully organised programme, a very carefully structured programme, what I think then is that they require some sort of reassurance, some sort of confidence building in a practical scenario. So the the two schools I've been dealing with at the beginning of term, and there's lots of schools coming up that uh, are looking for the same training, are definitely looking for some practical outlook some practical examples and having um, assessed along with yourself very many schools around the country for the character Kite Mark from the Association for Character Education um, you know I have I feel really privileged by the fact that I've got access to so many outstanding examples of work that's going on in any number of schools so we've been able to put together a package which is in essence celebrating the very best of character education's practical examples from literally around the countryside, from, from both primary schools and from secondary schools. So certainly the feedback from the first two sessions, and there are many more to come, um, I've been really delighted with. Very, a, a real good blend of decent theory with some really good practical examples.
0: And what about yourself, Gary? How did you uh, find the pandemic? Has it, has it tested your character? Have you missed being a head teacher during that time?
1: Uh, I have, yes. I mean, look, I think it's tested everybody's character, hasn't it? I think... One of the things about character education is is that, uh, certainly when you've been in, as it were, as long as I've been in it, is that you get used to telling people that actually showing strength of character probably requires some form of sacrifice. Now, whether that's on a day-by-day basis or something a little bit more strategic. And I think what the lockdown and all aspects of the COVID-19 outbreak has shown us is that Frankly, we've got to get to basics. We've got to look at who we are as individuals, look at our strengths, look at priorities in our life. And certainly my wife and I have done that in in when we were pretty well locked down together on our own. We've got three uh, young adult children um, and we didn't see anything of them for a little while. But you find ways around it. Um, and I think that's that's the human spirit. That's the character of the human spirit. You make the very best of the situation. And yeah, it's been tricky. I've missed meeting with friends, although there's been easing in recent months. But I, I have to say, I think overall, I think it's made people sit back and think of what truly matters. And in essence, such things as values and, and family and the most important things in life Um you know, can't be purchased. and can't consume them, and I think people have been a little bit more open as to as to the, the most important things.
0: I, I find that really interesting, Gary. Because I think I've. Uh, felt this uh, myself to some extent. I've been somewhat conflicted obviously I've got uh, two youngest children myself and sometimes I think that you know they are uh, getting much better character education probably certainly informally through the time that they've had at home with us but other times I do worry that they're missing out quite a lot uh, in terms of you know the hugely formative experience that the schools uh, schools are for the development of kind of values and character and, I, and I, I can see both sides of it but I think it's really interesting that you think there's been many positives that have come out of this yes and undoubtedly
1: negatives I mean Tom you know my view on character education one of the things I've always said is that although it's about developing personal virtues and strong character traits in an individual to make the right choices in life no matter where those choices are being made ultimately character education isn't in isolation you need to be interacting with other people Um, you need to be engaged in positive relationships and, and indeed practicing those relationships and of course, what you've just described, when youngsters are missing out on being in a, a, a normal school environment, clearly they're missing out on developing uh, and building on those relationships. So, yes, I agree with you. I mean, that, 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 that is certainly not an advantage of the uh, of the COVID-19 scenario uh, at all.
0: And, and that leads me on to an area of your work that I've really been interested in Gary because you've always made quite a big um, fuss and an and, and importance of, of kind of moral values and virtues and sometimes that's been slightly anti certainly some of the kind of political understanding and maybe more general kind of school understanding of character who would like to focus more on things such as resilience and, and grit in these sorts of areas uh, and I'm just interested. to to see how you kind of, um, you know, took on those uh, types of battles throughout your career.
1: If I was to go back, I mean, inevitably, our own characters are determined by our own personal background, of course, our parents, if you will. And My parents uh, brought me and my brother up in a a fairly straightforward manner. Um, You know, we always had to work hard. We lived in a very sort of well-organized household that was always full of love and care. I don't really remember my parents applying any sanctions but then I don't remember my brother and I breaking any parameters or boundaries because they were always explained. You know, that wonderful mix of authoritative behavior with love and explanation all the time. And I think when I became a head teacher and certainly took over a school that was very badly broken in every sense, behavior, uh, attitudes to learning, outcomes, attainment, teacher well being was all absolutely at the bottom. And I think what I realised at that point, when you're faced with was such a monumental challenge, that the only way to go about it is to build up, uh, if you will, success, character and all the rest of it, by one layer at a time. And some of those sort of performance characteristics that you, you mentioned there, they're fine, they're absolutely fine. But I think they're, they're lost without a very firm foundation of moral virtue, where people understand their role within whatever community they're working in, so that their actions, the way they speak, the way they behave, determines the whole quality of what goes on in the community. And I I don't think you can do that in an absence of a moral vacuum. You have to work on generosity of spirit, doing things because it's not just right for you, but it's right for everyone else in that community. And, And I think once you're building up those layers, The other things come automatically, and more importantly, they then become sustainable. They don't just become a little bit of a fad that a child may pick up for a a brief period of time. If they're learning those character traits, but on a very firm foundation of strong moral education that really puts moral objectives and virtuous education at the core of what we're doing, then I think it's sustainable. I think it will last, and it will last them into their future lives. Of course, as head teachers or teachers, we don't know what characters they're going to turn out, but we hope that they will remember what they experienced at school and that they will be able to build on it in the rest of their lives. I
0: get, I get that, Gary, but actually I speak to a lot of head teachers who would say kind of similar things of, you know, about the importance of moral kind of characters and, and virtues within schools and, we, and we'll do things about them. But, um, you know, I was truly impressed the, the number of times I, I visited your school which showed how much of a kind of a personal conviction I think you had, had around that. Was, was there something in particular that kind of drove you, I suppose, personally to take that, that such a heavy stance in that area?
1: You know, I happen to be a Catholic. I don't think that's a huge issue in my life. I'm not a, a particularly forceful person in terms of my own religious beliefs, but inevitably it goes through your sort of DNA. You know that classic, bright and rock scenario. But as far as I was concerned with the school, I wanted the school to be a place where children flourished in every sense of the word. And you know. As a, both a parent and as a head teacher, I wanted the children in my care to be happy. But, you know, happy skips off the tongue, and you have to, you have to work hard to be happy. You have to actually know how to be happy. And so many children mix up happiness with, with pleasure and, and consumption, um, and they don't understand that they're always going to be chasing a happiness goal, if you like, a pleasure goal, that's not really achievable unless they are really understanding Fundamental core values in our life. And happiness will always be about your own efforts, your own flourishing will be about how you are controlling yourself and putting effort into what you're doing. But perhaps more importantly, and people like Anthony Selden say this, more importantly, it's about your own generosity of spirit to others. I, I really don't think we're islands as human beings. We need constant feedback from other people. And if you've learned to be kind and generous of spirit to other people, By definition, that's what's reflected back to you. And that helps maintain your own personal flourishing because you're getting that positive feedback from other people. The reality is, you know, we know if we smile at somebody, we'll get a smile back. If we're aggressive, if we're rude, if we're, uh, you know, if we're short with people, frankly, we shouldn't expect anything back in return. And I think if you're creating, in my case, a school where a quality of relationships determined everything that was going on in the school, from you know, practical activities, from extra clicker activities, and of course what was going on in the classroom. That was the only way of guaranteeing that children get familiar with the skill set which is needed to flourish.
0: I get that, Gary, but that put a lot of extra pressure on you i mean the teach uh, children are very clever aren 't they 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 understand quite quickly if a teacher's saying one thing and then and then they're acting or behaving in in quite a different way and um, and for uh, kind of taking that stance and and kind of so prominently around character education you know was was that also concern for you in terms of your own kind of modeling
1: it was i mean obviously you know leadership is about all sorts of different qualities, but as far as I was concerned, one of the main things i was really required of me as a head teacher and that's in the three schools I've been a head teacher at is you must model your behavior and understand what your responsibility is because things such as authenticity and trust takes quite a while to build up and seconds to throw away so you know as a head teacher you can't claim as it were the moral high ground and then both students and colleagues, teaching colleagues, non-teaching staff at the school, if they see you behaving in a non-authentic way or a way that is not as you've described what you consider is important, then very, very quickly, well, you're undone. And for me, when I was at school, whenever I was like any head teacher wishing to appoint teachers, you'd want to appoint the best math teacher, the best history teacher. Of course you did. But for me, I needed a critical mass of teachers. That were co- completely committed to the character education. That, frankly, I determined for the school and what I consider the most important thing. Then you know, because obviously as head teacher you can't be everywhere. Then you know you've got enough people, that critical mass of individuals that are communicating the same values, communicating those values when nobody's looking. Certainly when the head teacher isn't looking, you need uh, members of staff, teachers, to be acting in a way sufficient champions, if you will, that are going to carry things forward. And I I was always extremely conscious of that. And I knew that when I was taking a school that was badly broken, yes, there were some quick gains, but overall it was going to take five to 10 years to really build that deep strong character-based culture that was going to survive me or indeed anybody else. I,
0: I wonder sometimes whether we, I, I think we do have to hold kind of our professions to account, our, our politicians to account, but sometimes maybe we hold them to account so high that people are not willing to ever kind of really discuss character and, and moral as, as a particular standpoint because they they're worried they're going to fall foul of it. So I wonder if there's some balance around that.
1: Oh, I think there is, Tom. I think one of the things that I was crystal clear as, as, the, as head teacher is that we all make mistakes. I mean, you know, I used to say that from the very instant the children came into the school as, as a secondary school, as year seven students, that your journey is about making mistakes. And of course, any, any interactions that go on in, with any community, one of the most important things is to forgive people when they make mistakes. And, you know, I'm a human being. I have no doubt that over the years I've been found wanting at certain times, Particularly when you're under stress, of course. You know, when you become under real stress, you can behave in a way that isn't necessarily uh, to the highest p- possible standards. You may cut corners morally or otherwise. But I think if you if you're communicating that as as a crucial set of values, i.e., that concept of of we're all human, we will err, and we will err from the the, the sort of right path, as it were. And I think. Well, certainly children, they understand that. They understand, there's a real confidence when teachers can say, look, I know I haven't quite modelled behaviour there for this particular reason, as it were, forgive me. Children get that. But when they constantly are exposed to what is the right behaviour, the very fact then that they can see people not following that behaviour or modelling it in the exact way that is required, I don't think it, it, it matters. And c- certainly if we take politicians, yes, unfortunately, they have got to be held to the highest possible standards. Uh, I think sometimes they need to be more confident and explain the fact that they are human beings. And that you know, I was tired last week and I said some things in a meeting that I shouldn't have said. Honestly, I think if they said that to the populace as a whole, that wouldn't. I think that would add strength to their position rather than actually undermining it. And I think they've become so obsessed with imagery and soundbite performance that they're they're missing out on that true value depth that can come from admitting a mistake.
0: I completely agree with that, Gary. But I do think that if we can get people to to be having more kind of honest uh, and kind of truthful and and kind of human type conversations, then we'll we'll all be in a much better place. You know, during your time, as you look, back on your, your time at King's Langley School and the, and the kind of the amazing journey that you went through which kind of turned that whole school around. Was, was there anything in particular that you really kind of stood out
1: for you? I am going to be slightly modest. I think it was my own courage in keeping it going and I wasn't prepared to dilute my objectives. You know, certainly in the early years when I, or the early months even, when I took over the King's Langley School, when academic behavior, uh, performance was so poor, um, it would have been easy to go for quick fixes, you know, look at the sort of examinations that we could have put children into that may have uh, scored more points, as it were, in terms of the so called Ofsted metrics. But I was determined not to. And to some extent, that, you know, my courage in spending time building things step by step, I think was most important. But I've also been very lucky, Tom, in having, well, perhaps it wasn't entirely luck because I looked to appoint people that were going to, uh, you know, copy what I was doing, to mirror and indeed add to what I was doing. And you know that I've had some very skilled people, such as my deputy, Ruth Jennings, and so on, who were able to really develop the school in the truest sense. And and I think, looking back now with hindsight, it's the 360-degree approach that we had at King's Langley that made it so successful. It wasn't character education done in little bites whether it be in PSHE or in a form period, or it was the three sixty degree approach. The behavior policy was all about character. the subject areas had to deliver character lessons within their subjects. The whole personal development program had character virtues and traits at the absolute core, conversations in, on the corridor a break time, and so on. Staff learned the language they learned to articulate the values continuously and in different contexts and of course all of us when you are immersed in that kind of um scenario where you're you're faced with character every step of the way it becomes part of who you are. People very quickly adapt to the teams that they're working with and if you're a new teacher joining a school, a school such as King Zhangli, I would have hoped that you would have got very quickly that this school is all about values and that your role as an individual teacher and in maintaining and driving those values forward was utterly crucial. And of course, then you get that critical mass where it starts to, well, any head teacher is delighted when he's not really doing very much and he's just seeing the whole thing just developing a momentum of all of its own. And I think that's, that's what I was very proud of, definitely.
0: Yeah, and I, uh, I, mean, I know you're trying to be uh, humble here, Gary, and uh, <laughs> and uh, show the, show true character quality in that. Episode, but I'm I'm allowed to say that, you know, I've, I I think. I, I think any school obviously depends on the leadership and senior leadership team if you're going to drive through initiatives and and i think the courage you showed particularly when you probably were questioned by parents and, and others around you know where, where where you're focused on particularly in a in a, an environment where kind of exams and testing are so important i think your courage you showed to show uh, to kind of resist that was was, was extremely admirable and and um, i think we need more and more school leaders who are able to actually to go about that i mean I know by the number of visitors that you had to your school and other people coming to see See what you've done there. You, you clearly did in, in, inspire in the, in the approach you took, and, and I know um, since then, and, and while you were a, a teacher as well, you, you've been invited to be an advisor to kind of various ministers on character and character education. And I'd just be interested: what, what policy move you think might enhance character education? We're obviously, a, a, you know, a funny time. Our current secretary of state has got a lot on his plate right now, and but hopefully, there will be a return to focus on, on character and character education in the near future. I know it's not necessarily terribly. T- trendy to, be,
1: to, to say, well done to the government or the Department for Education or whatever. But certainly over the last three to four years, I've seen moves, I've sensed moves where there's been a realisation that schools cannot be judged on the simple, single metric of examination outcome. Now, now, please, I wouldn't want anybody to misunderstand me. As a head teacher or as a teacher, it's absolutely crucial that kids do their very best within an examination environment. But actually, when you then go and talk to businesses, as I have, or you indeed look at the research about what makes companies successful, what makes individuals successful, frankly, it's all about character. It's not about whether they got 68% on this exam or 63% on this exam. It really is irrelevant. And I think the Department for Education and others associated with policy are beginning to understand that because parents are beginning to understand it. Certainly I'm getting the sense that business leaders are a little bit more aware that they need a bit more of a package than just youngsters who were bluntly trained to pass examinations. And of course, that's what was happening. I think if we went back 15 years ago, the DfE 10 years ago, perhaps the Department for Education, and offset to a large extent, were very much focused on examination metrics because it was easy to do so. It was, it was measurable. And of course... If that became the the widget production of schools, if that became the sales figures that schools needed to look at, it's no surprise that it became really, really good at it. And, you know, I went to schools where the quality of teaching was outstanding in terms of getting the children to pass examinations. Was it outstanding in terms of getting children to love the subject, to actually develop their own motivation, to want to learn, to, to push themselves? I would suggest it wasn't.
0: Well, I hope, Gary, you get that uh, post you've always dreamt of a being Secretary of State for Education. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to try and finish these uh, podcasts with a a rapid fire kind of virtue session uh when i'm just going to pull out a virtue from my hat here i've got to in it, in it i've got all the uh, virtues that are listed within the jubilee center's framework for character education and i just thought it'd be fun to pull out one of those virtues and ask you to to uh, say a name it could be someone personal it could be someone uh, from history someone you've met etc that you think exemplifies that virtue and, and just Briefly tell us why.
1: Interesting enough, I mean, this is something that I find very, very daunting because uh, to try and think of people that you know have have been the full package for for representing virtues, virtue, uh, character traits, and virtues and so on isn't going to be terribly easy. Forgive me if I stumble over this, but I will try my very best.
0: Well, we'll see how we go. And if, if nothing else, then you've demonstrated the virtue of courage again. To uh, <laughs> here we go. We're going to pull and modesty and modesty because <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> sure I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna... not sure I'm going to be. I'm not sure I'm going to be successful at this. Okay, and uh, uh, I've got uh, interesting because I know this is a virtue that you you're extremely uh, think is important is is wisdom that's come out. Yeah,
1: wisdom. Well, I mean, look, over the years, people that show a great deal of wisdom. Um, <laughs> it's difficult to know, isn't it? I mean, sometimes wisdom comes with a, a, almost a single-mindedness. You know, I have to say, I always thought Tony Blair as a prime minister was full of wisdom. I think he lost his direction later on. Personally, I thought that. But I always felt that he was trying to make decisions based on a true reflection of the needs of many, many people. And, and by definition, when you're making a, a, a decision, you are weighing things up. You're coming uh, to not necessary the digitally most correct decision, you're actually weighing up a range of different virtues, a way of the, different people that are going to be impacted by that decision. And you're coming up with a, the best option. And I thought Tony Blair was pretty good at that. As I say, I think he lost his way a little bit later on. I think he was let down by some of his advisory staff. But wisdom is about reflection, coming up with the best decision and then trying to push it
0: through fantastic thanks for that gary that was that was really nice thank you so much for joining us as i say as one of the first guests on this uh, podcast no doubt i know listeners will be waiting to hear a lot more from what you've got forthcoming in your role as chair of the association for character education but thank you very much indeed Gary.
1: and tom as always been my pleasure thank you very much
0: we hope you enjoyed listening to conversations on character hosted by Dr. Tom Harrison and produced by me, Joe McDowell, on behalf of the Jubilee Centre for Character and Virtue. To learn more about character, the research of the centre, or to give us feedback on this podcast, visit jubileecentre.ac.uk or find us on social media at Jubilee Centre One. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.